Hi, there will be spoilers in this episode. What if you were Holly Berry and you were locked in an insane asylum for a murder you didn't do? What would you do? What would you think? Hopefully that the Negronomicon is awesome, that's one thing. In this episode, we're going to talk about Gothica, a thriller starring Holly Berry. It's about, I guess at the time, a modern look again at women in the psychiatric asylum trope. This time, the story is laced with a spooky ghost story. And like last episode where we spoke about gothic literature and writing, when we mix the paranormal and psychology, we get gothic, or in this case, gothic. So, I'm pretty sure we all know about the psychiatric wards and insane asylum stuff. Nothing new. Uh, They were known around the 50s where we were still understanding the biological parts of psychology and not much of the influence of the abstract things we couldn't see anymore. So, they were starting to distinguish between the two, kind of like the Aristotle and Plato type thing. But... Researchers during the time kind of flipped to a more objective approach and because of the full force of science and lack and failure to understand multidirectional BS, uh, patients were neglected and mistreated leading to inevitable closing around, I think, the mid-50s, then more state wards were closing more and more, especially when Reagan in the 80s eventually signed an act to stop funding Uh, And I think eventually a lot of these big government asylum places all began to close around the 90s. I think now now today actual help is spread out in schools, private work, and research is done through a review board for overview of ethics. So anyway, we'll get into the review of Gothica. The movie has like a really, uh, like a modernistic atmosphere or aesthetic, you know, like the bluish gray and tint and all that stuff. But the movie is a supernatural paranormal mystery where the head psychologist somehow became the psycho killer in a stray jacket. I actually still can't see how it kind of like unfolded that way. I mean, it kind of makes sense, but I mean... Uh, Hannibal Lecter, there's a difference. Hannibal didn't go crazy. It's like he's already been crazy. It's just he started killing and eating people. Like, that man is still a psychologist, and he still helps Jodie Foster in, uh, uh, what was that movie? Silence of the Lambs, yeah. But um, in the movie, Dr. Miranda Gray goes back home to meet her husband, which is also married to this big, definitely 20 years older than her, and it happens to be the like women's psych ward chair. Uh, he's also played by Charles Dutton. That's pretty cool, but uh, pretty much like everyone's boss. 
So it, it already kind of like starts to set up there. But on the way home, she had to take a detour along the way. She sees a girl in the middle of the road. Before you know it, in the blink of an eye, she wakes up in a cell of an insane asylum, the same one that she works at, and also was told that she had killed her husband. And so, you know, they're screaming, why me? Oh, God, and stuff like that. Um, but that's pretty much the gist without spoilers. I'd recommend if you haven't and you kind of want to watch Gothica, I'd say stop now. It's on Netflix. You can find it there for this month's circulation. But dun 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 So now that you probably went to Google and seen the rotten potatoes and said, yikes, just spoil it for me, then I'd be happy to continue. So Dr. Gray is trying to comprehend what's going on after another character played by, you know, my boy Robert Downey Jr., Iron Man. Uh, his character is kind of like the friend, also co-worker, also hinting at, wink, wink, um, maybe affair issues. So it gets a little weird, but uh they they explain he explains to her about what happened when she blacked out. He tells her that they put her there to keep her from going to jail. <laughs> like being locked up in an assailant asylum where they will literally tranquilize you down the hall like an African safari obviously is the better alternative. So <laughs> I mean, that's still kind of funny to me, but it's crazy that this man uh, worked with her for, I guess, years, and they seemed like they were fooling around a bit and still was doubting the literal shit out of her, like, damn, it really be your own people. So, after a while, Dr. Gray started making connections with Penelope Cruz or her character, Chloe. Uh, she was the girl at the beginning that was kind of, like, dismissing uh, Holly Berry or Dr. Gray was dismissing at the beginning, kind of like, oh yeah, you know, she's kind of going through with it, fucking crazy, and, uh, it, it starts off from there, but now, since, you know, Dr. Gray is now in all this, also the same asylum with her, she's kind of like, you're one of us now, <laughs> so Chloe started telling her about something about fire, a tattoo, and being possessed by the devil. Something super similar yet vague to what she had just experienced. Then the message of not alone recurs throughout the movie. Probably an indication of staying aware and banding together. Also being haunted by a spooky girl that might have apparently been two people. The girl that she met on the bridge that night that really just caused that whole chaotic ride so after this dr gray began to believe she was possessed into killing her husband what a twist during a couple of escape attempts she would hide in offices and she end up finding a picture of the chair's friend or i think uh when she was brought back from an escape uh she had seen a girl just similar to like the girl that I guess she believed that possessed her turns out she recognized the picture and it was the chair's daughter and she had came up missing a while back and yeah it, and so like I guess she took the newspaper just in case and weird uh after a couple more escape attempts Dr. Gray managed to get to her home 
that she shared with her late chopped up husband, she was able to fantasize and try to jog up her own memory of what happened when she blacked out and still couldn't find any justification. But the ghost or spirit that led her to something pretty much like even darker than what was actually going on turns out trigger warning uh it, it was that the husband or the chair uh the chair of the women's psych ward was taking patients into his private property and recording you know like snuff videos so uh oh we now know where the story is kind of like taking us in a way when she gets a look around, the police come in and finds her there. They, of course, will take her back. But out of the literal woodworks, a girl still captive, they uh, they release her and find out she was another girl that was missing for months. So, but still brings back, they still bring back Dr. Gray because it totally didn't dismiss her for hacking up her own husband. It still didn't make the connections, but it it kind of helped like what what was the girl doing in that property and you know if they really got into depth then they would see that it was under probably you know doc the man doctor the husband dr gray's property the sheriff the sheriff is like literally on her ass has been on her ass ever since like you know she killed her husband and it, like, Dr. Gray this and Dr. Gray that. Like, this man was defending him a lot. Was just like, throw away. She's crazy. Take her away. So, come to find out after a ridiculous cat and mouse chase of dialogue, only a man that has trust issues with women and this and that. And they, he might be the killer. Literally describing this dude down to a T in a jail cell alone. And... Uh, well, I mean, the sheriff, I'm sorry to like interrupt it, but like, I think the sheriff, John Lynch, I've seen him in a couple movies. He's pretty good. Uh, but yeah, the character, Sheriff Ryan and Dr. Gray, the, the psych ward chair was friends in and all. So, but this dude literally rips off his t-shirt tattooed everywhere with a giant women, uh, burning with chains. The same image Chloe keeps talking about full indication that not only her husband was in on the video making, but he was too. both of them as a team. It was frightening. And for that, I shall always cry a cab. Somehow, Dr. Gray was released due to bringing in a bigger criminal of the sheriff and the chair warden, and I guess she gets off scot-free. So, yeah, that is the story, and that is Gothica. So now it's the review process of, like, what was going on, and I guess the main part of the show where I kind of give my full-on aspects thoughts and reviews onto the uh movie gothica so behind the scenes we have the creator which is sebastian gutierrez uh he wrote a a lot of stuff from like 1998 to maybe 2017 he uh he wrote judicus it has uh what is what is his name uh he was in harry potter for as snape he was in there, and then he also wrote Snake, co-wrote uh, Snakes on a Plane, which was really cool. So, I mean, we gotta give credit, but I don't know, uh, Gothica was, mm. but uh, African American influences. 
the African-American influence is non-existent in this movie only because it's not really specific on the outlook of a particular group of people of like race of like white black or latino it was more about the psychological aspect or the women's aspect so it was more about that in general when we're getting to specifics so african-american influence the only reason why i kind of picked this movie was because it has a uh, it was horror and it had a black protagonist, which is Holly Berry. So psychological uh, presence. Of course, we have the psychological presence only because the uh, the psychological or the uh, psych ward uh, aspect. So this movie has a lot of psychological presence from the use of the asylum and the psychological use in the story. This was done by having the protagonist be a head clinical psychiatrist and being fully aware of what is insane or what is not insane. We got that a lot from, uh, I think at the beginning, like what I was saying is that like she was kind of analyzing or uh, giving herself like an analytical view of what's going on, trying to jog her memory and stuff. Like, uh, like something I would do too is that I would backtrack who I really am and what I tried to do and kind of like differentiate between what possibly I could have done to black out or what I can't do or what I can do you know stuff like that we we know ourselves better than anybody else but the thing that is scary is that like many other identities and labels it is a spectrum with this tad bit it's a little weird in the story to kind of like wrap your head around uh only because i said this in the beginning it's weird that a fellow psychiatrist uh, i believe uh robert downey jr's character wanted to treat dr gray and really sat there and thought this woman is speaking gibberish uh when she was flat out psycho now uh, herself but at other times there is such thing as memory displacement, which I guess I definitely can understand, your mind really can make up BS. And when you tell other stories, they can receive it as gibberish while yourself would think it's normal. Uh, like I said, you know yourself better than anybody else, but your mind really can play tricks on you. Which is exactly why, in practice, psychiatrists would watch every move or write as many notes as possible to psychoanalyze what, I guess, underlying what you may think. Like, what Freud would say is that your mind will go into, like, dark parts of your brain and it will act out whether you like it or not without your conscious, uh, uh, you know, your, your consciousness. You know, so obviously Chloe and Gray wasn't crazy, just distracted with things on the mind that can be solved, which happens a lot, especially uh, a lot people. But during that time, especially around women, uh, I think the liberation of, you know, like their um, sexual preference or I guess being depressed that would say that's hysteria and during these times of valuation they they could 
kind of like be sent to like these places for pretty much nothing. But in this case, it was possession. Call him the exorcist, like really, come on. So this is when we talk about the philosophical presence. So I was kind of touching up a little bit when I was saying about like the women's movement. The philosophical presence is definitely for women. The not alone messages throughout the story you know, like the one uh, she got carved up on the arm that said not alone. It was everywhere throughout the movie. But it reminded me of the Me Too movement uh, that in groups and bandment or like banding together that they could take down these men that has been oppressors and kind of like perpetuate the cycle of abuse and like a never ending abuse that never can be solved with just that one woman alone only because they like other things were treated like property when you're married, it's crazy. So it's it, it definitely has like that theory and thinking. For years, men have dominated multiple statures that perpetuated a vicious cycle of oppression that men put into place and sadly, it did infect psychology, psychology heavily because it was more of like a scapegoat saying, okay, you're crazy, send her away. And back then they really didn't have a lot of answers to do. They were still figuring out a lot of things. So that's why in the movie, the symbols of women and burning chains, uh, the, uh, I forgot the name of it, but the Solaire and the not alone messages were also very clear. Um, my overall thoughts, the idea of the movie was there, just really wasn't executed right. Maybe if this was like a six episode TV show that was maybe 40 minutes per episode, this would give time for the plot to thicken because as a movie, it was super, super rushed. I'm talking about like they have to backtrack and kind of like replay just the show when uh holly berry or dr gray got possessed and then they're like oh okay we're informing the audience instead they could have took their time and let the murder mystery begin why am i here why this that with her attempt escapes her trying to figure out little by little asking questions i feel like if this would be remade, it'd be kind of good. I mean, like maybe kind of like toned down on the psychoanalytical BS only because it, to me, it kind of like got a little bit annoying because I get it. You're a psychologist. I, I, I get it. Like, I'm pretty sure my friends get pretty, uh, pretty like hectic with me too, or like want to cut me off and be like, dude, I get it stop it. It, it. it does get a little bit annoying. I, I get it. I guess this is a pretty good reflection for myself, but yeah, it, it was definitely super rushed. And again, if this was to be remade now, especially given a series, maybe like Guterres would step back in and co-write and like allow another psychologist writer to kind of say, okay, well, this is how this can play out and good. It, it, it could work. The story was okay it was just the writing and the play of actions and the plot how it performed wasn't too good so <laughs> i mean it's crazy holly berry really does have a knack for getting into some really bad movies like example fucking catwoman terrible 
But anywho, that wraps it up. I know this is kind of short. I didn't really have a lot to talk about only because this movie really didn't critique, uh, like peak a lot of stuff to talk about. It was pretty straightforward. It was going through and it wasn't really a lot to reflect. That's all right though. But if you, like I said, if that, if my spoilers didn't really get into your head a little bit or I didn't explain it right, I'm sorry. Feel free to watch it. It's like I said, it's in the circulation. This I'm pretty sure for this month, uh, catch it. It's awesome. And rate it what you like. But I feel like the next movie I'm going to be watching is probably going to be Bones. Where the antagonist is Snoop Dogg himself. Oh, God. But, yeah, thank you for listening to the show. I hope it gave a little type of education. (laughs) Don't judge me for the bad movie. I know I had to watch it twice to get the notes down. But... Thank you for listening to the Negronomicon, and I'll see you next Saturday.